Welcome to the Texans! And again, Watson escapes. Over the middle, it's cut. Akins and the tight end rumbles in for the touchdown. Here's Watson now. Blockers in front. Lowers the shoulder and in. And welcome to another episode of the Turn Up For What podcast. We're talking your Houston Texans straight from the Great British Isles. After another defeat, the Texans have dropped to 0-2, a performance worthy of an empty stadium as the Texans go down 33-16 to the Baltimore Ravens, who never really got out of gear in a comfortable victory. This week, joining me is media broadcaster and writer, making his second appearance on the podcast, Luke Conboy. Luke, how you doing? Yeah, very well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Uh, well, I suppose it was the start that we all feared, but perhaps even expected as we fall to 0-2. So, plenty of talking points. Uh, mostly bad, unfortunately, isn't it? But we'll see where we go from here. Yeah, you're right. It's, it was expected. I think that's the... Perhaps... Look, it's... I, I mean, I, as I said to you before we started recording, I watched the old 22 back um, up to a point. I think just, you know... They, uh, they broke that broke that fourth and one on a, a direct snap to Ingram, but but I mean, look, yet I'll, I'll tell you where my head was at yesterday, and then I'll uh, and then I'm going to ask you a couple of questions on an article that I wrote last year, and I think this maybe plays into the big picture because watching this morning, I I thought actually all isn't lost in many senses. And, you know, I could see some signs of, you know, just missed execution, just poor execution, poor coaching. And that, that was what held this team back, right? But the the sentiment to me is, and it was the sentiment last week, and I think the big picture position we've got to remember here is that we've just played two teams who are the elite of the AFC. They've improved and we unequivocally haven't. Yeah, indeed, yeah. Oh, yeah, spot on. I mean, you can see, you know, I suppose it was a, a tough uh, sort of you know, build-up for us. We've got a new, uh, completely new coach staff with uh, Weaver and Tim Kelly taking over on defence and offence, respectively. So I think there was always going to be a few bumps, you know, initially. I suppose we traditionally quite a slow starting team. And if you go back and check, you know, under the O'Brien area, our previous starts, you know, been a couple of times where we have started 0-2 again, but we still eventually did make the playoffs. So... You know, it, it, since that schedule came out, you kind of thought, okay, well, we're gonna we're gonna have to play our best ball and then some to kind of get a result here. But um, it's just been on the whole, I think it's still quite disappointing. Like it's just the the way, yeah, you know, I'd be more accepting with these losses if we still sort of played quite well. But there's been there's, there's so many, you know, obvious signs where we haven't improved, where we expect an improvement. And as you mentioned, if anything, there's a sort of a touch of a regression really. You know. Um, on both sides of the ball, you can argue at least two two first games. So I I look back at the uh, at the article I put out pre week eleven when we played the Ravens last year, and that I think it was forty one to seven defeat, the worst worst game of the season. I think the team was a bit zapped from the whole London travel and all that. Even though you had the bye week, I think we just didn't ever look quite right. Okay, and. So I'll go through these questions or just, just ask you these questions and do you think we've improved? Because I think this kind of answers it when you think this is where we were a year ago. We've had a full off season. Um, and has anything changed? Right. So do we have a more disciplined defence against the run? Uh, absolutely not. No. I mean, 
yeah that was a that was an issue last year and it, it's carried on to be an issue i know uh weavers tried to you know a few you know, different ways of trying to improve uh this run defense obviously you know knocking jj watt into nose tackle being the most notable one but it doesn't seem to have changed much and then if you look at the other ones we went through we'll just go through quickly just to just to outline the picture pass coverage and the ability to cover tight ends um, I suppose a, a slight improvement on that. I mean, I suppose Mark Andrews is slightly held in check, but I mean, this trouble with Ravens just have so many weapons they can just you know give it to you know give the ball to anyone. They can uh, move the ball down the field. So maybe a slight improvement aspect, but it, it could still be a lot better. Yeah, per- perhaps perhaps on Sun on Sun late afternoon. Yeah, perhaps. And then the other one was a clean efficient offense, which we'll come on to. I think definitively mm. not. Um, nope. Could we continue to run the ball and, ba- and balance the uh, balance out the out the uh, balance out the balance out the offense? I think the answer is not. Have we found any? You know, when I wrote about, would we have any bye week creations? Would there be any? Would there be any creativity in there? The, the answer is, you know, probably no. There's no definitive yeses. I think of what was our issues attacking the AFC elite. We've seen that in two weeks, and look, this team was done over by the schedule makers, and. It was never going to be great, right? You know, the, the, there was a there was a good chance we could start zero two. If not, maybe zero and three, and we'll come to that. O'Brien is now out of excuses. He's had everything he's wanted, you know, for eighteen months, you know, to a T. And if we at this stage, based on all the investment that's gone in, considering the pass protection, considering the the offensive output, the defense has been eroded in terms of talent. We're now a worse team than we were two years ago. So. By giving O'Brien the power, we now seem, you know, based on these first two games, and look, the only point of playing this season is to win a championship. If you're not going to win a championship, you know, I think we've all seen enough of the ceiling of going to the playoffs, you know, maybe winning one game just last year, getting defeated in the first game against the Coles. And why it concerns me, and I think if you look back at those seasons I've just mentioned, the Texans have faded as the season have gone on. Now there has been, you know, twenty eighteen where we won the uh, we won the sort of nine games in a row, and then but we faded right down the stretch. We stopped running the ball. We couldn't. So the so the historical kind of nature of it is we'll pick it up. We'll pick it up. You know, two thirds of the way through the season, three quarters of the way, get some results to make it look admirable. Just as we've done in these games, get a couple of scores, and the scoreboard isn't quite as wide as actually the, a true reflection of the game would be. Now, don't get me wrong, week two is better than week one in some sense. There is a huge issue with this team of that it's gone backwards. We've given somebody the autonomy and the and the and the authority to go and make the changes they wanted to make. And we're now, you know, we've seen that in the first two weeks. We are nowhere near a contender. And that and and to allow somebody to do that in a unique way, there had to be a payoff. And it's quite clear that payoff is not there. And now I think we're at a stage where I'm in two minds. Because I know what will happen, right? We'll probably win some games. We'll maybe get back to it nine and seven at best. Maybe now, maybe ten wins. You know, like you know where we were the last two years. So I'm in two minds. Is it better that we just take the the, the short term pain now and go zero and three, zero and four, and maybe only win two games by the bye, and you know maybe get to seven or eight wins at the end of the season? And is that is? But the problem is, I don't think that's enough to get rid of them. And I think the only way we will ever realize our aspirations and the potential of Watson is by moving on, cleaning house and start again. And that but that's going to be a two year process to do it. I think it's we've we've now definitively seen in these two weeks and 
you know, not to put too much of a downer on it, but ultimately that's just the, you know, the cold hard facts that we're facing. We have a ceiling. It's a ceiling. It's not new news, but I think it's just been reaffirmed by these last two weeks, regardless of the off season, all that kind of stuff. Other teams have prepared and done it. We have a self-imposed ceiling um, on our team with O'Brien. Right. And if you can answer this question, Luke, because I do not know the answer. How is it possible an offense can look that dull with a quarterback that we have like it's done in the last two games? Yeah, it, the mind it truly does boggle, doesn't it? Um, yeah, no, you kind of see all the investment that's gone into the offense off the offseason as well. Obviously, Hopkins gone, but in comes Kirks, uh, in comes Cobb, David Johnson, of course, as well as part of the Hopkins trade. So we've got all these, you know, don't get me wrong, they are talented players and they've had you know, injury concerns and what have you, but what, what players haven't really in this sort of stage in their career? But yeah, it's just very, you know, it's milk toast is probably a way to sort of describe it. Like there's, there's all this talent, Watson, a lot of people say, you know, top five quarterback in the league and you know, there's, as we've mentioned before, I think we have on before on the podcast before, how we just need to hand the keys to this to Watson's. Like this guy has got clear, obvious talent and it's kind of getting to the point. I was like, are we really you know, sort of wasting this guy in his prime? Like we know he can be elite, but he just needs, you know, it, the, the coaching around him, you know, he needs the, the correct calls to be played, kind of to play to his strengths, you know, but at the moment, we're just not seeing that. We're definitely not seeing it at least in you know, the first two games. So, you know, sort of strange pass call. We should see, you know, immediately at the gate, we run a run, run pass. It's sort of, you know, I think just put the ball in Watson's hands. No, sort of Johnson, a, a, a handy game against the Chiefs. But I think I still trust you know, Watson with the ball more in his hands to make, make a play happen. So it's, it is a, a great concern just how we're not, you know, these two games, first two games of the year really amplify the fact that we're not really close to these, you know, what you see as the AFC elite in the in terms of the Chiefs and the Ravens. So a lot has got to improve you know, as the season season progresses. Yeah, and, and, we're, and we're, we're not close. That's it. And I think that that's the, you know, look, there is, and we'll come on to, I think we'll start going through the points, I think. And you think, okay, that like that this season had to be predicated on the offense leading the way by some far, you know, by a considerable distance for this team to even have a remote chance of being successful. Mm. And when you go three and out in your first two drives, or you know, you you know, you, you can barely you know piece a drive together, it's just not going to cut it. And you know, and O'Brien was asked about that this week. He said, "What do you think?" I think it was Sean Pendergast asked him, "What do you what's what do you think's behind?" Not being able to get the ball there, you know, we script it, we work on it Friday and Saturday, and we just need to do a better job and need to coach up. It's on me and all this kind of, you know, stuff that is shit that we've heard for sparking <laughs> long now. Yeah, the usual and, Yeah, and look, I'm not expecting him to change in his answer, mm. but it's a serious problem. The only first uh, drive we scored last year was when AJ McCann came in in week 17. So. So you know, like there is a, as a, there is, you know, so there's always that, 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 you know, that, that sort of philosophy. Is it the Jimmys and Joes, or is it the X's and O's, right? And I think, the, I think you've got to have the personnel, which we don't have on defense, arguably in patches enough to, to put around the quarterback on paper, but it's not happening. So therefore, you know, where are the X's and O's? And I think leads us into the first point, right? We're, you know, we're, we're we're desperate to try and move the ball. So the the third and the third and one that's that's come up. Um, you know, we're we're only in that position because you know. Well, I think Watson scrambles, doesn't he? And he he runs out, take, runs out on the sideline, leaves a yard, 
perhaps could have got the extra one. But anyway, so we're, so we're a third of one, and we're desperate to move the ball. Now, when you've just brought in David Johnson, paying the money is the, the elusiveness he's shown to just shift and get short yards. Why was and like and I know the you know Tim Kelly's probably overthinking himself, he's trying to get a spark going. Just give David Johnson the ball, or just you know, or just a, or a quick rollout, and just and just let Watson just scramble for a yard, you know, mm. or a quarterback sneak, or or some you know, just something really kind of basic and fundamental. Because you saw Lamar Jackson execute one of those when when the team needed to. So you've got a third, you've got a third and one, a, a sort of a reverse kind of rollout to the side. You know, he scrambles around, eventually throws it away. Okay, you save, you know, fair enough. But to then kind of and and then I think I think it looked like the Texans were set up and and um, Randall Cobb talked about this in in his press his post match conference press conference and he said you know we came, we came out and jumbled they called a timeout and then we and then they changed the personnel so then we went back to a pass so again that was that was awareness of the coaching staff at Baltimore called the timeout didn't like the look up it looked like we were ready to go and then actually what was our default position I don't know so you know a great example of you know, like we saw against the Chiefs and, and we saw, you know, in the playoff game and et cetera, you know, the other side's coaching staff had the ability to recognise, adjust to, mm. to, to the situation. And in that situation, we didn't. We went to something that clearly wasn't on. Now, watching the play back, it looks like to me that the play was potentially set up for Cooks in the slot. But at the same time, Fells and Aikens both leak out um, to the short side. So either somebody was meant, and then the and then the uh, the linebacker comes in, just hits Watson. He has to get it off quickly. Hits the turf. Game over. You've given him a short field. It's ten and zero at that point. But so it's just small things, and it looked like if 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 either Fells or Aitkins had just stood in there and blocked on on the short on the short side of the play there, just to let Cooks come across the formation because he was lined up in the slot. So if they put Cooks in the slot again, repetition because that's what they did with Hopkins and a bit predictable, but. Cooks is setting the slot to go and take that pass. So it looked like it was just a bad execution. But I think based on, you know, having a, a faulty pass call in the previous play, running the ball, surely there had to be the option, regardless of how, you know, how maybe obvious you think it is. But you've got to put trust in, in that line you've invested in to go and move bodies to, 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 to create some space just to get a yard. Yeah, exactly. If you just you know, put it down to the bare bones, you've got two players there and all we need is a yard. Obviously, you never want to, start with creativity in offense but as you say it's just you know it's just the fundamentals of football you've got david johnson who can be a great power back you've got watson who can use his legs and all we've got to do there is just is say get that yard where we've got a fresh set of downs and we can try and move the ball down further further down the field but again i think you know i think we're just especially on the when it was the fourth and one play we were just completely out coached at that stage that just really showed the difference between like you know, the rookie coordinators we've got, and um, obviously the, the yeah, experience on the Ravens side of things, but I say they they read that play perfectly, you know, and then you know Watson, you say, kind of really had to just throw that ball away. So it's just it's you know inexcusable how you cannot just get a yard, two plays, you know, and backed up that far down in a, our own territory. And even the fact that we went for it on fourth there, I mean, obviously we knew we had to be aggressive and he's sort of, you know, looking like the analytical side of things. Okay, well, if we want to win this game, we need to score at least, you know, 30 points or whatever. But, you know, there's just, there is a time and a place to be aggressive. You know, that, that early on in the game, that just wasn't the time. 
In isolation, I, I don't have any issue ever going for it on fourth downs, particularly when it's a yard, okay? But when, I think when you hadn't got it on third, I think potentially there was a... See, well, the momentum's not going here. Let's just punt, play field position. Because the defence has actually been okay at that point. It's only 3-0. And you think, you know, yeah. you know, actually we're holding in. And, you know, and um, I'm going to put some plays out there and, and put it on the website later on in terms of some uh, in terms of some looks that we gave them on the defence. We'll stay on the offense for the time being. We'll come back to the defense, but you know the defense had actually held in reasonably well. So, the, you know, and the, and the drive that they did piece together, you know, straight after that to make to make it a three score game again or a three point game again, mm. you know, a, a good play action pass, you know, thirty eight yarder Cooks and Cooks came alive in this game by the way, and that was probably yep. one of the big positives. Too. And Watson had two fantastic throws uh, to Cooks, so it was good to see that that. Um, that, that that connection come alive, and obviously we you know we had the, the issue with Fuller missing snaps. He got that one uh, screen pass where mm-hmm. Cobb didn't didn't uh, didn't didn't get his block in, and he never actually had a because obviously goes a rushing yard because he's caught by the line of scrimmage, and then um and then he never had a catch, and then he's getting his hamstring worked. So hopefully he's okay because it just felt like you know all this sort of predictability and criticism of this team was coming alive. But when you, I think what's frustrating is when you see how easy and how fluent the offense was on that drive. To, to, for the Darren Fells touchdown, he catches a ten yard touchdown, kind of uses his body well, just holds, looks like he's you know boxes him out, and then just manages Watson just kind of rolls to the right and and uh, and, and find you know and finds him in the end zone. You think yeah, reasonably straightforward back in the game, you know. And he, so so all that to happen was fine, um, and then. You know, for for then at that point for to get the ball back, the Kiki fumble I think was just you know was yeah. probably potentially the last the last the last hurrah I think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I think it's about it depends on uh, especially look at the depth behind him and the guys. Obviously, he's not on the field every snap. But I think uh, I think eyes on uh, the rookie Isaiah Coulter. Uh, he had this, this neck injury. I think he's got. So if if he can get healthy, I think you know that. Will really be the end of Cootie. So that we saw a lot of times. Uh, you know, he was a healthy scratch quite often um, last season. So I think that was, as you say, that was you know, kind of that sort of last chance saloon for him to for him to cough up the ball like that. Of course, you know, then Ravens then return it for six, and that kind of you know, I think that makes it. Uh, was it twenty twenty ten at that point or twenty seven? But um, yeah, it's just it's mistakes like that. So. So costly, and it's you know it's really amplified when the defense uh, returns it for six. So you know it's it's hard to see him being trusted again in that situation, at least whether or not he's going to get some looks. You know, because obviously he's got you know, he does have speed. Um, again, it's just the, it's the fumble concerns and whether or not he can be trusted. But so it's hard to see space for for Kuti, uh, you know, with those weapons that we do have, if they can everyone can stay healthy and and prove to be effective. Yeah, and I think they were obviously trying to work him into the game plan because they want it to they want it to work. And you know, he's got all the talent there. It's just been the, the concentration, the ta- yeah, the talent and the physical ability is not. It's the mental side of the game which kills many, you know, guys' careers, regardless of their physical ability. And he's had too many high profile turnovers now. So yeah, I think if Isaiah could Isaiah Coulter is 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 fit eventually, then he will come back in because Kenny Stills wasn't used enough, and Kenny Stills can play in the slot as well. And I know, like, it's not yeah. a long-term solution. And I, I would love to see Kiki work it out because 
yeah, it was just disappointing. And it was, again, you know, like the fuller hamstring, it was just deja vu. Here we go again, another <laughs> fumble. We've made this, you know, and I think, but even on the drive at the end of the first half as well, you know, going back to that drive they scored before, you know, you take that personal mistake, nothing you can do, you know, because if the Texans go and score on that drive, then, you know, it's, it's, it's a ball game at that point. And you, but we just kept giving them, you know, small, small iterative little, you know, glimpses to, to stretch the scoreboard out, and uh, and got and got got away from us. But you know, even on the on the uh, the field goal drive right at the end of the first half, they played that really well. You know, a very, you know a couple of runs in there, and then a very you know pass and attack, a nice a nice pass out to Jordan Aitkins, gets the block in front of him, takes it out of bounds, stops the clock. I think some, you know, by grace of the ref, the clock didn't run out actually because they were sort of holding stills on the ground and he caught that slanting behind, you know, you spiked the ball, you hit it. So, you know, despite, you know, giving them a short field and then giving them a defensive, you know, fumble six, it's only 10 points in it at the half. So, you know, you think actually it's okay. And then, you know, the, so the offense stalled early. It kind of got its groove, made a mis- you know, made some mistakes, but, you know, you know, personal mistakes, Kiki being again at the heart of it. Um and actually, you know, it was it was okay, you know. And I think you know they're getting the ball out. And actually, if you watch the tape early, it's not until the sort of you know third and fourth quarter it kind of falls apart. And I think where where the you know where the positives were, as they say, Cook, you know, Cooks comes alive. Now there's there was one drive in the third quarter that you could have made it a six point game if they scored at that point. And there was sort of a number of big plays, and you end up kicking a field goal. Um, and that was and that was pretty much all she wrote at that point. You know, and you know the fourth and one wildcat. Yeah, it's what it is. But so there was, there was a, you know, Duke, uh, David Johnson. I was going to get that mixed up all season, but David Johnson runs a nice, you know, a slanting goal route, and he misses him. Then you know, and, and so you think, yeah, score. Then got a quick score. You know, you get back into the game on the same drive. You've then got uh, a free play where Clay's Campbell jumps offside, and actually Fuller was gone and behind, and he tried to force it in the stills. And then again, there was a, a, a pass where Watson's on the run, tries to throw it in at Cooks. He would have had the ball at the you know at the three yard line if he if he brings it in. If he just throws it slightly in front of him as a touch, then we end up kicking the field goal, and that's it. And at that point, it was four. I think it was fourth and six after the the, the Cooks. It wasn't really a drop, but it was it was near enough. They kicked the field goal, and that was you know symbolically the end of it. I think and at that yeah. point, but there was there was still opportunities to score, and you know just a bit of execution. Um, could could have been could have been there. It just feel, it feels like the fundamentals you know are missing in terms of you know getting your assignment down. But if they can get it together, there is a way out. And I think I I picked it up in the all twenty two. Yeah, I mean it was just such a like the you mentioned the overthrow on uh David Johnson. That was such a killer. Like if you make that play, like you know the offense can you know, so the juices sort of start flowing, and we can you know say try and keep it you know at least to a a one score game or at least you know keep within 10 points and we're, we're still in it by that point but yeah it's just getting it's just those those missed opportunities that we can like oh like you know if you just make that play then you know it's just like just, as you say just the absence of the, the big play ability so it's just it's it's frustrating you sort of see you know as you mentioned all the defense kind of showing up if the offense and kind of you know complement that but it's just those, you know, if that can go right, this can go right, and then okay, and then, then we're talking, but it just always seems to be something missing, you know, sort of, you know, like, and if Johnson can get free, if Watson can get the ball out to Fuller in time, you know, if he doesn't quite underthrow uh, Cooks, he's got the three yard line. So I think that's when in that 
particularly his performance, you can say, you know, Watson perhaps didn't play his best game. You know, whether or not the if the the, the Oprah Johnson was on him or not, it's hard to say. But you kind of you hope that you know, the, the hope that you have of Watson when you see him play, like you can make that throw to um to Cooks at the three yard line. It was quite disappointing actually to see that that ball hit the turf. And then there's. There, there's a there's a, a big moment I think in, in the game as well. Or not necessarily a big moment. Again, you know there was a gap between the teams, and you're you're, you're fighting to just get back into it. Because I think you know if you think there was just and it's just about cohesion in the offense momentum. Because you think of that that great throw to to uh, Cooks where Watson gets laid out um, in the third quarter, and then what's the next play from that? A false start. And then yeah. and then there was Sharping got benched again, which is concerning. I thought he had an okay game in the first week, you know, and he's he's getting subbed out for Kelamenti for a couple of se- um for a couple of series. But there was a play where Cooks was gone. And if, if Sharpen just had a held his position, he's basically turned round and you can see the front of his jersey on the on the on the camera behind the goals in the all twenty two. And if he just holds that block, Cooks is gone. Again, so there was opportunities there to take deep shots because the way this offense is built, if we're not, you know, taking, you know, Two to three deep shots every quarter. It's not really going to function in the way it's intended. So, you know, Sharp and getting bench was a, an issue, and just dealing with these, you know, you know. And there was, the, the, I sent a screenshot out yesterday on the on the on the on the Twitter feed, and you know, there was a, a sack towards the end. Now, okay, like we'll get you know caught up in sacks and, and pressures and stuff, you know, because I think, I mean, bottom line, right? This team has given up the worst points differential in the first two weeks of any team in the league. We've given up the most, and we're you know right up there. We're giving up the most pressures on our quarterback. So, for for the pass protection to not be where it's at is is again it's that cohesion momentum, not following up a play with another one, and and there was just so many times in the game where you just thought, you know, why is this not getting right? And there was a, as the screenshot that I sent out was it was quite blatantly obvious. You've got a rookie safety coming up, Deshaun Elliott from UT coming up to the line. It's so fundamentally clear that he's. That he he's uh, he's blitzing, and he gets the quarterback in a free run, and there's nobody breaking off the route to just get a you know an easy completion hot route and and behind you know and you know whether it's in behind a blitzing uh, blitzing secondary or linebacker, or whether it's or whether it's just in, a, in in the space in the zone, and for whatever reason I cannot for the life of me get the reason why. And this is what I think it comes back to coaching and why I think we're held. Simple plays like that when you play against a really aggressive offense. You can use their aggression against them and just sit in the spaces they vacate because they're coming after you. And we cannot, for the life of us, get to adjust hot routes at the line of scrimmage and get the simple things right and you know and use their aggression against them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're touching on sort of the offensive lines. It was really disappointing to see. Sort of, you know, you've, sort of looking back at last year, I think you know not that it could get much worse, but you saw some real improvement. Obviously, uh, Titus Howard in his rookie year. He was hurt for the most part. But you could see a lot of lot of promise out of him, but I think again, him along with Sharping, who was a bench, you know how I think he missed a couple of series. I mean, he got hurt. And in comes Roderick Johnson, but that right side of the offensive side, I think, got absolutely torched for the most part. And whether or not, you know, by this point, you kind of put it down to coaching. You know, Mike Devlin now in his, his sixth season, I believe it is, sort of coaching that line, sort of. At what point do you realise, okay, maybe this is a coaching issue? Like, we've got these, you know, young guys, you know, the talent is there. They can, as we sort of saw sort of, you know, last year, they can make a difference. They can, you know, protect Watson. They can, you know, get the run game going. So it's just, it's a real concern that, I think for me, that the offensive line is a real, you know, when you look at regression, the offensive line, 
is really you know, they're up there in terms of like how can this be going so wrong after you know the improvement that we saw and now it's kind of you know trending down. And Howard Howard had some good plays like against Judon mm. he did and he, you know there's a couple of ones where he sticks him to the turf but the 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 issue the, the issue is for me it's just like it's all linked right so you can't just say you've got a bad line because if you get the ball out quick it doesn't matter so you know it just needs to be a roadblock you just literally need to be there for two and a half seconds before somebody can just drop off a short pass that's all you need you know yeah. you know and there'll be times where you can take shots where you get the right look and what have you um but you know there's there is there, there's just there was just too many times where it just doesn't all link together and I think that comes down to coaching but the amount, but the amount of pressures we're giving up is just too much, and I think that's the thing. We're now the only team in the FC South without a win is in week two, and uh, and we're not we're not necessarily um, we're not necessarily showing huge sign of improvement. So I I just I, I just worry about the, the you know the because Kelly took twenty two snaps uh, away from Sharpen, and the thirty seven he had weren't you know weren't the best either. So it's it's giving up too many pressures. Um, to 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 get to to get a rhythm, but we didn't give any sacks up until um you know the, the three minutes to go in the third quarter. So that you know that we were actually doing an okay job with the ball, and we're just putting ourselves in a position where we probably had to be more aggressive than we'd like to be, um mm. be, because we because we're trying to chase the game. And when you try and chase the game against a team like that, that's their speciality. You have to take the lead, and we didn't do that. I think that I mean, and probably what I mean, it was probably you know the interception sealed it. I think, but the the, I mean, I watched it back this morning, and if you if you if you watch it, they kept running Cobb to the flat. So actually, Peters is with Cobb in the flat. He's seen him run it so many times; he's never gone to him once. He just dives back in, tries to help zone up because he sees the ball going deep, and he manages just a great athletic play to go and pick the ball off. When actually, you know, there was another there was another pass. I think it was Kenny Stills on the other side of the field who was who, who probably who probably had more green space on him if you're going to drop the ball in and make him you know go up make a play. Um, and again, that was Watson kind of, you know, from the previous week, he was locking on to targets again. And that, that was the whole point of changing his offense. Last week it was Fuller. Fuller wasn't on the field and he was trying to force it to Cooks, I think, on that one. So again, it's not necessarily, you know, learning from, you know, previous, you know, errors or previous tendencies and how to improve. And it just feel it's just got that whole feeling of being stuck in the mud in terms of, you know, progressing this team on. Mm. Yeah, I think you can you can say that interception perhaps you know, Watson's held onto the ball there, you know, a couple of seconds too long, and uh, you know, up pops Marcus Pieces to make a play. He could so easily been a Texan. Obviously, we overlooked him in the draft, and we take Kevin Johnson. We sort of see how how that's uh, played out. No, no longer on the team, but uh, yeah, just that, yeah, the poetic justice there. If Peters comes up with the ball. I mean, you know, you look, well, you look I think he had character concerns. He got kicked off Washington, yeah. so I don't of course, think yeah. I mean, it's not, uh, you know, it's not, oh, well, we really missed out there. It's just, you know, it's just a case, you know, what if kind of thing. But it's, you know, it's just like when you sort of see that kind of thing happening, it's ah, like, oh, great, you know, typical. But as you say, yeah, I think you can sort of say, oh, you know, great defensive play, certainly like a spectacular option when he's sort of diving, almost floating midair to, to to snag the ball, but. You kind of think that you know Watson, if he can release that ball a bit sooner, you know, kind of it was a bit of a mystery. I think that that ball could have quite easily been in Cook's hands if the ball was released quicker. So I think you can kind of criticise Watson there a little bit, but again, it's like it's just a case that we're running that, as you mentioned, that play. You know, they've seen that look before. They they know what's coming, and they and the Ravens' their defense, who expect with that kind of unit, they execute and take the ball away. From them. 
I think, that, I mean, one, and there was some positives, as we said, but I think that the, the defense, by all intents and purposes, showed up. And I think there was, yep. you know, there was there was some good uh, there was some good uh, some good rush lanes that they held, and I think I think uh, John Harbaugh touched on that. He said, you know, they they, they ran a sort of um, I think he described it as a cage rush, but you know, there, there's times where they just held their discipline. Um, you know, albeit Mr. Watt likes to get yourself upfield and get get, out, get yourself out of the plane quick contention. Now he did have a couple of sacks, so I think mm. you know I think it was good to see him getting some you know getting to the quarterback, just as it was to see you know a man who and then. Uh, and then Zach Cunningham getting one as well. Because like, if you had told me you would have held them to, you know, the best part of 2023 points for the majority of the game, and you would have got to Lamar Jackson four times, I said, well, you know, if you had given me that before the game, I said, I probably would have said, well, I think we've maybe got a chance to get a result then. I completely. I think for the most part, we largely held sort of you know, Jackson intact. Like, uh, we, you know, we can, he can run the ball, we can obviously pass the ball. We see this, you know, one of the best dual threats quarterbacks in the league. But, fact you know we catch him just to the just the one touchdown pass um i think he, you know, he barely rushed over 50 yards which for the most part you know games and good players i think you know would you say what definitely turned up in this game with his uh yeah two sacks and actually uh, cunningham and uh many who feeling you know feeding off that kind of energy he gives off so you now there's definitely you know some signs okay well this you know, it's, you know the defense are bold that we saw you know going back a few years now but you think you know, if they can hold one of the best quarterbacks in the league in check like that, it, you know, it gives you know the offense a chance to kind of you know, make a game of it. And obviously, it's only when sort of the game sort of you know got out of reach, or you know, sort of you know, kind of late on in the third and kind of by the time the fourth quarter started, it was game over, wasn't it? But you know, there was there was signs there. You know, if what can keep up that that level of play, I think obviously you see a lot of the guys in the off on the defense obviously look up to him. You know, he obviously is this, you know. Sort of sack merch, you know, he loves putting up the numbers. But if, if you know, he's that defensive leader, and if you know, if we can get a bit more, you know, out of Cunningham, you know, I think again, if he did miss a couple of tackles, which is kind of a shame, really. He missed, two big, he missed two big ones, didn't he? I think there was, yeah. there was a third and one against Dobbins, and then he missed another one in the backfield, I think, against Gus Edwards. You know, yes. and those yeah, would have yeah. been the first one against Edwards would have been a stop in their territory and a punt, you get the ball back. So, it, again, it's fine margins when you're at this level, but you need to make those tackles when when you're in the backfield because he gets a free mm-hmm. run in the backfield, misses them. And then actually the Dobbins one, he pulls them down short and it probably would have been a field goal. I mean, it was a field goal result in any way. Um, you know, and, but there was signs of life on the defence, particularly when they got the two sacks almost back to back. I think it was back to back plays. Um, in the third quarter, when Watt sacked him, and then he got his second, and then Cunningham came up, blitzed up the blitzed up the A gap, and, and and got and got another one, and then it, you know again Tucker obviously was four for four. You know you would expect any less. What did you make of the just as a side note, and it probably will, and we'll come back on to the positive. Just when you touched on Watt there, and he's caught. You know what do you make of his? I thought his comments were a bit heavy handed in terms of the Blacklock ejection, considering there was no real consternation on the field. You couldn't even see it in the broadcast. I felt like he gave. He, you know, a rookie probably knew he'd done wrong, and that was clear by his face when you saw him getting, you know, trudging off of, up the tunnel. Um, but I, I thought it was—I I didn't think it was necessary. No, yeah, I suppose it was a, you know, a kind of a heat in the moment type thing. But obviously, I mentioned he's quite disappointed in, you know, obviously Blackwood being a rookie. You know, you see a lot of rookies; they're going to have sort of discipline issues. But I suppose uh, I probably sense a lot of frustration from what side of things. I think, like, obviously, I think he. What we feel personally, he's played one of his better games for a while, so he kind of hopes that everyone can kind of sort of match that level. But I think it was a bit, 
a bit harsh. She kind of hoped, you know, Black, uh, Blackwell can kind of take it on board, hopefully not take it to heart too much. She kind of hoped, you know, when these guys are, you know, uh, back at the facility uh, at practice, that perhaps Watt can just put them to one side and say, like, hey, you know, you know, he was a bit out of out of tone with his comments and obviously, you know, just take, you know, tell Blackwell, okay, you know, it's all good and well, fine, having passion, but it's just, you know, have a little bit of discipline, you know. He kind of the game was over by that point. Like Blacklock didn't need to do what he did. And perhaps you know, I haven't sort of need to go back and watch that. I don't know if it was necessarily you know a, a just thing that he was ejected, but you, you don't want to give the officials the chance to to eject you from the game. So yeah, it, it's it's disappointing, you know, in a way, just to see that sort of lack of discipline. But at the same time, I think what can maybe perhaps save those kind of comments for you know behind closed doors because now. That's out in the media, it's out in the open, you know, going to see quite a few media outlets perhaps going to make a story about it. But... He made those comments in a sense that it cost him the game. Now, if you watch, mm-hmm. watching back the tape this morning, Blackwell was getting thrown around a bit again, and that's two weeks in a row. He's not really shown that physical presence. There was a couple of snaps where he does quite well to disengage off the blocks and, 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 and try and make a move, but he didn't contribute in any, you know, huge way. So I think for a guy who's probably not playing, maybe Watt sees that, and maybe that's the... That's the 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 message of you actually you've got the talent but you're not doing it yet and then you you then you're then you know mm-hmm. getting yourself ejected for you know supposedly throwing up throwing a punch at, uh, at one of the, one of their linemen after the play goes down because if you do it during the play you know you know you know it's going to be difficult to get that flag <laughs> but so but I I just thought it was heavy handed but I think what what you've got to say in just in terms of the some of the positives in terms of the defense was you know Anthony Weaver's doing an unbelievable coaching job. On this, I thought some of the coverages they mixed up was good. I thought we're using different guys in different spots. I know Lonnie Johnson was kind of used at safety. Uh, Eric Murray was actually at, in, in the nickel corner. We've then got Hargreaves also played nickel, but then also played outside. So I think they're doing a good job. I think he's doing it considering the talent he's got to work with. I think he's doing a good job with this with this defense because there's not you know there's not much there. Let's be honest, right? You know, there, there's not a huge amount to. To uh, to go after, it's it's definitely a positive. I think of the two coordinators to this point, I don't think it could be disputed. Weaver's done a better job getting his his units oh. ready and of yeah. executing. Absolutely, you say he's got you know such little to work with uh, as Weaver, but you know, I'm quite you know when his uh, appointment was announced, I was quite excited. He kind of, you know you kind of knew he was going to shake things up a bit. I think under Romeo Cornell, I think you know he kind of. Things like to grow a bit stale a little bit, kind of teams were kind of reading us quite easily. But you say, like, we sort of look up and down the depth chart of the defense, you kind of think, you know, there, as you say, there's not a great deal there. You kind of, you know, um, the secondary sort of relying on, you know, Eric Mun- Eric Murray there. Um, so, yeah, knocking Lon Johnson back in safety seems like a almost inspired uh, call, kind of you know, giving a bit of help back there. You sort of see, you know, there is definitely holes on that side of the, the of the ball that can be improved but it just goes to the real testament you said of the coaching that you can as you say you know a quarterback like Lamar Jackson largely hold him in check with you know with the guys we've got you know I think there was concerns about the secondary last year I think there still is this year but you know the the key difference there is the coaching and you know, what the significant improving of of said coaching yeah because I think that I mean the, the past coverage has been okay I think as you said if you think of the targets we're going against Andrews uh, and Kelsey, it's been it has been better. Yeah, I I, I do think that. I think that we've just and I do quite like the, the idea of moving guys around. And I thought Justin Reed had a good game. Um, the only problem with with us, I think, is we've not we need 
to get Gary and Connolly back and, and how quickly that will be from an ankle injury as a you know mm. as a second year corner as well as second year in the Texan system corner I think is, it, it will be remain to be seen but then I think what what's also I think we need to be careful of I think Lonnie Johnson if he's going to play safety he needs to play safety all the time um, and I don't think he's necessarily going to do that and I think he either stunt his development and make him good at neither or is he a better outside corner to frame up with you know with the bigger possession receivers and that's what he was projected to be so I think with Lonnie, I would he's not he had a huge amount of snaps. And actually, somebody who um, John Reed was was uh, was didn't see any any of the field in defense, and it was an no, interesting right. move because I thought he held his own. He didn't look out of place in week one. So yeah, there's a lot of moving pieces in there. But I think overall, I, I don't think it can be disputed that Anthony Weaver has done a good job coaching up this defense, and they they continue to to you know last week was was not great against the run, but I thought this week was good. Now I think a guy that we, you know there's a couple of interesting personnel. Now we've got some dead weight up here, and we'll come on to dead weight because I think yeah. it was obvious at the time when that contract was handed it was dead weight. But but PJ Hall, what a pickup he's been by the way. I think yeah. in terms of. His ability to just purely power guys back, and, and Anthony Weider said that there's not many human beings on the on the on this earth that can move as quick as he does at the weight. Uh, and I think the Raiders, you know, in the middle again, we're hoping the, the same for Gary Connolly. But I think the Raiders gave up on a guy there, who who's probably got some potential because the former second round pick. But there is a number of times, and I'm going to put all, all the clips later on that I've taken off this morning that. He continued to to push the pocket back. Okay, and I know he was going against Tyree Phillips, seventy four for at right guard, a rookie um, who was who was in there, uh, and it was a weak point. But I think you've got you know you've got to pick your weakest man and go after them. But PJ Hall continued to press the pocket. Oh yeah, he said, and he could serious. be fine money at this stage. Exactly, he's been you know a group series highlight. I think you can, uh, you know. When we picked him up, I think it was concerned. I think he was traded to the Vikings, just not he? But as I think, long as I failed physical or something, so there was like some yeah. health concerns and everything. But yeah, a very shrewd move in Arton Park, as you say. Like he was really working the offensive line against the, the rookie guard, but you can you can only play you know in front of what's given to you. So yeah, the fact he was you know it was causing disruption on multiple snaps, and you know. We, you know, we should be able to. I think it's a, a one-year deal. I think we've got him on. So if we can hand, you know, yeah, it's the vet, it's the vet minimum. Players. He's on seven hundred and fifty k. What oh, that, that, oh, that is. Great. So, so I, yeah, I think we've given him a chance. And what and and uh, and what was said by O'Brien was, you know, we're taking a chance on that guy. And I think he's 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 been a real positive. But I think what it comes back, to, as you said, is by chance he's here. So if he wasn't here, I think we'd be in a worse place. Now, Brandon Dunn, I think he is what he is, and he, he you know, he's a solid player. It takes up mm. space. Having those two guys in the middle as your base, like if we're going to continue to have a, a four a four man front, uh, is the way to go. I think we we, we had a lot of five man fronts um, on the uh, with the two the two backers on the outside of the of the of the three, and I think the the biggest issue, and and I think we're going to regret this over time, is I think the the and it's shown. Now, I don't know if he's got injury issues. I don't know if there's something going off the field or it's just rust and he, and he may prove us wrong over the season. But I said this last week and I'm going to say it again. There was one snap he almost got to Jackson. But again, it was a long looping rush outside the edge and Ronnie Stanley was you know, operating on one ankle. Whitney Merciless has been MIA for this team and it's a big concern mm-hmm. considering the money's on this year and considering the money's on next year. I think the choice to pay him over DG Reader 
was naive and I think it was ultimately it was going to, you know that'll that'll show as a number of decisions at this front office and so Brian's been in charge in terms of contracts I think was the wrong decision yeah I think it's, it's going to be a real miss I think uh from discussing it before it was almost like we hand in Mercer's his contract is almost like, oh thanks you know everything done since we drafted you back in 2012 you know have you know this you know one last hurrah having like a decent you know pay packet but as you say he's, he's not he's done next to nothing and he's opening two games and it's becoming a real concern because obviously hope and the coach staff was that he was going to play that you know weak side linebacker role and hold it down but um you say it's a real concern he's not done much you know he, you know he got sort of sort of jacob martin behind him i think he's been you know very impressive you know i think um he got the, the the sack in week one so i think you know mercer's kind of has the experience he has like you know the, the favor of the coaching so he's going to probably play quite a few more snaps than I did would like, but he's really got, you know, up his up his effort, up his game, whether or not he's carrying an injury or something. But you say if there is an injury concern, then why we we give him, you know, this the snap count, you know, give someone else like Jacob Martin, if you say, give him a go. But but if if this is where he is this year, where is he going to be next year when he's due fifteen and a half million? So I, you know, I and, yeah. and you're right, Jacob Martin. And I know that there's plenty, plenty of other Texans guys that they're peddling Jacob Martin, but it's so blatantly obvious to the point now where he needs to be on the field because mm. he showed against the run he was good. He it, he was the reason that Chuck Amene who gets that sack because he breaks on the outside and uh, he makes um, uh, Jackson step up and then he, he goes runs right into him. And look, Mercedes has got a role to play in this team, I think, but not at the value he had. Uh, or the value that was given to him. That inflated contract, I think, was, was, you know, it seemed odd at the time. And he's done absolutely nothing. And I think another guy, uh, two other guys who I think watching the film again this morning don't deserve to see the field is Carlos Watkins. Why we kept him over um, over Angelo Blackston it, um, just baffles me. I don't understand why. Um, mm. And and Brennan Scarlett, I think he's, he's, Brennan Scarlett is endemic of that tough, smart, dependable bullshit we kept getting fed because, yeah, he's all right. Yeah, he's a decent player and he's done okay. But he's just so bang average. Mm. And there was, he got in the backfield, he missed Jackson when it, you know, it was early early on in the game. He looked a bit cumbersome running after running. Like, he's an okay run defender and he's an okay special teams player. But the fact that he's getting more snaps than a guy like Jacob Martin, you know, compounds that Whitney Merciless issue outside linebacker when we're, you know, we're, we're facing up in five-man front. So, yeah, I, I, I just think there's there's some passengers carried there. PG Hall's been a saving grace, and hopefully, you know, he can continue that, stay healthy and continue to do what stays up, branded, done solid. But, yeah, we need big steps up from guys like Ross Blackwell. Whitney Merciless needs to find a gear if this defence is going to be yeah. decent. Uh, I thought McKinney had an OK game. Cunningham, as we said, missed a few a couple of tackles. So, I think it was OK. I think the, the defence held until the fourth quarter. And then, you know, the proverbial dam breaks and they just start running the ball down their throat. And, they, you know, and I think looking at them was, you know, they've got three running backs that they that they share the carries with. And, you know, and they've, you know, they've, they've, they've almost doubled down on their desire to run the ball, in which we stopped for the large part and, made, you know, made them made them, uh, made them them go to the air. And, you know, Jackson has some good passes over the middle. McKinney got caught out in a couple of zone concepts. And, you know, Hargreaves had a good, good pass breakup and I thought he had an okay game. You know, so I think for the large part, Considering the talent on this defense, they probably gave us an you know. For, no, I don't think it's without question. See, they gave the offense a chance to go and win the game. But when the defense stepped up, 
when it seemed inconceivable, the offense to go. I think we'll look, we'll look looking around the league this week. I think it always gives you a bit of perspective. Obviously, the Colts, um, the Colts won. I think in, in they made in they made kind of light work in, in Philip Rivers' first home game in Lucas Oil against mm-hmm. Minnesota. It seemed like a bit of a field goal fest, and then you know, and the defense just basically held Kirk Cousins throwing three interceptions. Not you know, not great. And then obviously it was a you know, and I think the the Jags continue to to show that they're uh, that they're um, they're a team that you know has been probably overlooked and you know. Unfairly, and uh, and Minshew's Minshew's throwing the ball around for them, and they made it a good game into a late field goal uh, from from Goskowski. Kind of revived his his fortunes from last week after missing a few in Denver. And it looked, you know, it was a tight game there. So I don't think any of those those three AFC South opponents are going to be an easy out for the Texans this year, like they have been in previous. No, say a lot of people completely, you know, myself included, I'll hold my hand up and say completely right off the Jags at the start of this year. But you know, they got some great young talent perhaps you know they don't need someone like a Trevor Lawrence with Justin Fields you know um Minshew can lead the offense perfectly fine so uh you know yeah, the Colts defense they, they've got a lot of pieces there so they can certainly hold opponents in check and you know, Philip Rivers is functional I guess he can as you know last week really showed he can get the team into the opponent's territory and kick as many field goals as they want uh yeah Titans you know we know what they're all about you know can they you know can Tannehill and and Henry kind of, you know, catch lightning in a bottle again. But, you know, I suppose we, we still got a couple of games till we, till we face um, our division opponent, which is quite rare. I have to wait until week, uh, week five. We've got the Jags and the NRG. But it's, you know, it's going to be, I think, a hotly contested AFC South. It's no, if you can't, you can, you know, perhaps you can see if the Jags can keep it going till. And then all six in game slate, whether or not they can stay in playoff contention. But at the moment, kind of equally, I think you can see any of these four teams making the playoffs, and it's going to be, you know, really tight. I don't, you can't see one team running away with this. It's perhaps going to be another year where a, a nine seven or a ten six record is, is going to clinch it. Yeah, and the, I think the, the big thing. Yeah, I think it looking. I think we're at the outside looking in at the minute, and you know, if these teams continue the way they've played and, you know, a lot can swing in this season. If you look at where the Titans were this time last year versus how they're playing now, you know, I think a lot can change. Um, mm. But I think we're at the outside looking at the minute and I think, you know, and maybe that longer term uh, benefit is perhaps maybe set in motion for us, I think, in this division. But we'll see. I think it's where we'll go, uh, you know, obviously starts all next week. Before we come on to the Steelers, what did you make of all the injuries? Look, I think there was... You know, from Barclay, Sequin Barclay, Miller, uh, Nick Bosa, um, Cortland Sutton, Anthony Barr, Malik Hooker. Um, obviously, you had earlier in the season the guys like Gerald McCoy, Grant Delpit going down. You know, so there was a huge amount of injuries um, over the first week. Now, I think this was probably always going to happen this year because of the lack of uh, the lack of preseason. So it, it took to week one to kind of spring a leak. But <laughs> it seems like a lot of teams, particularly the 49ers, have been hit um, and Denver. Yeah, I suppose, it, and then I suppose I don't think quite a positive a lot. That's something we've seen sort of largely escaped is you know having any of our stars get knocked out. We kind of see you know, but yeah, Barkley and McCaffrey are probably the two notable you know running backs there. So I think you know you're going to see the Giants and Panthers really you know crumble without these star guys. But 
yeah, whether you can put it down to to no preseason preseason games, like these guys aren't quite in shape. But I think with that, I think when maybe would you've seen more injuries in week one rather than week two. But it's like I think you know, and it's it's a bit more than just a coincidence that we've seen this many injuries. So you know, perhaps you can talk about you know preparation side of things. It wasn't the fact there was no preseason, or there was a lack of you know padded practices and everything. So it's it's definitely a concern to see that like this kind of rate of attrition but you know, particularly on the 49er side of things but you know, they still made light work of the Jets but you know a, a lot of star names a lot of you know disappointed fancy fans out there <laughs> oh don't you don't use the effort apologies everyone for that um so the um I think the yeah I think it brings us on to the Steelers um or to their defense last year because if you look at where they were last year as a defense they continued to, you know, whether it was Duck Hodges um, or whoever they had rolled out their quarterback. It had the formations of a good team. Um, mm-hmm. Now, I, I think what benefit you can take is I think they can be a tactic corner. I think obviously, you know, Edmonds and Fitzpatrick at, uh, at safety, you know, it can cover up a lot in, in that area. But the, I think the corners can go at Joe Hayden, uh, the guy Hilton. And okay, they're okay, but I don't, I don't, I think you know. Again, you know, that was the question in week one, and the answer was unequivocally no. We couldn't go after the corner, so it feels like they're there. But I think watching watching the last week, that front of Tua, Hayward Bay, Dupree, and then obviously JG's brothers, uh, gonna we're gonna have some great. Uh, if you were, if you if you were uh, put off by the the broadcast version on on the ESPN on the uh, on the Buffalo game when they continually cut the camera, his brother, it's going to be that times a hundred. So get ready for that. Um, but I think we're, we're in the benefit as we are for the rest of the year to not have uh, to not have any more prime time games bar the Detroit so I think you know we can mm-hmm. we can either be quietly good or we can just uh, slip off in the background in our in our mediocrity um, and the early kickoffs for the rest of the year but there'll be no getting away in this there'll be the Watt, the Watt Brothers reunion you know panning on the uh, the mum and dad in the crowd probably with joint strips that somebody sewed together for them or something like that you know so <laughs> We're we're we're, go, we're going to have to we're going to have to listen to that, and that's probably the bit that I'm least looking forward to. I think the bit the second most, the second probably biggest turning point of this game, this pass protection is going to have to wake up in a hurry because this is an even better front than we've faced in the last three weeks. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so the names you list off there, you know how effectively uh, TJ Watt can be. Obviously uh, supplemented by uh, you got Cameron Hayward in there as well, Stefan Tewitt. So. Um, you know, a lot of people are saying that the Steelers defensive unit is amongst the best or the very best in the league. So we, we you know, sort of path protection, it's got to get a lot better. Uh, so picking up in, in these hot route, uh, hot routes. So, um, you know, we're gonna we're gonna obviously gonna have to play a lot better if we want to come away uh, with a result. But it's it's the fact that we could very conceivably be 0 and 3 after this game, and then. I think 0-2, you can perhaps kind of live with it. Okay, it was fine. We've been there before. We still to playoffs. But when it, it sort of sneaks up to 0-3, then that puts real pressure on, on the Vikings game to follow. So, uh, you know, we're going to have to improve. We're going to have to, say, try and attack these corners. You know, Joe, sort of led by Joe Hayden, yeah. But, you know, there are there's opportunities to get points, but I think we're going to have to score uh, quite a lot of them. Yeah, I mean, Jeff, Jeff Driscoll comes in for Denver. You know, Jeff Driscoll comes in for Denver, and he and he made a good fist of the game. I I thought. Absolutely, yeah. So it's, I do think it shows it is, it is possible, but you know, 
looking to sort of see his offense as well. You know, you always knew they're going to bounce back with a bang with Big Ben back in the lineup. So, um, so it's the way the defense has played a lot of uh, stuff against the Ravens just now. I think we can sort of you know hold them in check. You know, they've got plenty of receivers at their disposal. The running game's pretty handy as well. So, uh, but you say yeah, Drift Driscoll is a great case of you know if we can get a bit of flow, get the ball moving, we can actually make a game with this. It's going to be an empty stadium again this week. So I know, and I, one thing we probably should have picked up earlier was the sideline reporter said, you know, there was audible shouts on the Texans sideline, guys, wake up. And I think it's another game where, you know, if you think of all the big, the big sort of themed flaws that we've had, slow starts, you can't afford to have that again because we don't want to be in a position where, you know, where, the, where what's the sitting back in the pocket against this front. The ball's going to have to come out quick. And we're going to have to keep them on their heels and we're going to have to build, you know, mix in the run. And, and I think David Johnson, you know, despite the score being close, didn't get the ball enough. And I think, you know, we're going to no. have to, you know, we're going, we're going to have to lead this game in rush, and r- rushing yards between Watson and, and the running backs. Hopefully Duke Johnson could come back because having those two guys in 20, 20, 21 personnel sets out the backfield, you know, looked, you know, reasonably effective early against the, against the Chiefs and we I think we missed that this week and I think we've baked, baked in a lot of plays and a lot of concepts that we've installed early in the offseason around that package so we, we need we need to get back to that but I think it's going to be key the, just the defense can't regress to where we are and you think defense is going to take a bit of time just to you know get get the live bullets tackling so we, we this defense cannot afford to slip back because you saw guys like you know the rookie Chase Claypool, you got you know Washington and Smith Schuster being their sort of number one guy. You know there's weapons there to throw, and I I've got a feeling that we need to, or I've got a feeling that we could you know very much see the return of Eric Ebron who kind of had a couple of good games for us against you know when he was mm. in his time in Indianapolis. Yeah, no, no, too well about him, but um. Yeah, just going back on the point you made, it's a great point that you made. We did really miss sort of Duke Johnson having having that kind of you know sort of two punch running back, and then you see a bit more Johnson, Duke Johnson in the backfield. And again, I'd like to see a lot more of David Johnson playing in the slot as well. We can only can play there. So we've had a bit of issues at the moment trying to force uh, Cootie into that role. But you know, if David Johnson can split wide, see Duke Johnson can carry the ball a bit more. Obviously, CJ Prosnice filled in for him, but fairly fresh off the practice score. We didn't really see much out of him, so. You know, if we can get our guys healthy on the offensive side of the ball, definitely on the uh, the defense as well. If you uh, check in on Garen Conley, if we get him back soon, and probably next game comes probably a bit too soon for him. But you now, if we can get everyone healthy, that's you know obviously always a key theme. But all all is not lost, shall we say? Yeah, I think look, I mean, this is a chance to get the season back going. But I, I think I'm, yeah. I'm torn between the fact of do we do, do do we just need to burn to make a change to realize the mm. next stage, or do we just continue to so because you've seen it many time again, you know, Brian's got, you know, he's he's the lizard after the nuclear bomb. He's got a way to to find, you know, a modicum of 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 stability to to to, to come back into. But I, I think the biggest thing for me is the players have been flat. They've not you know, they've not looked ready to play, and that comes down to culture. Mm-hmm. Now, it's almost similar things that we haven't been good at the last few weeks, getting the ball at quick, setting the protections right, hot routes moving the ball in offense. If this offense doesn't come and have its best game by a considerable distance, you know, including last year, I think we're looking under defeat here. So it's going to be a tough out. It's again, it's going to be a you know a plastic atmosphere in uh, in Pittsburgh, which is usually a home field advantage. So you know that plays into the Texans' favor, I think, and that's one of the stadiums that, that you know definitively has that. And you know the offense will benefit from the silence. 
So Houston's got a big, big task on his hand this weekend if they're going to try and get a result in Pittsburgh. They've got to find a way to to uh, to establish this offense, whether that be on the ground or through the air. There has to be fluidity with Watson and his line, and he can start realizing his p- potential and start living up to his contract. I think that's that's the big thing. Mm-hmm. So yeah, now he's you know he's got the, the big bag of cash. You know, kind of say, well, you know, we got you locked in for the next three years. Let's see some real, you know, real improvement, but. I say he's got to have the tools around him. He's got to have, have the right coaching. But I say I think he's still got to take a couple of steps forward if he's going to be sort of that upper, you know, echelon of you know the Mahomes and the, the Jacksons and sort of maybe the Russell Wilsons of the world. So as you keep saying, there's always there's always that hope with Watson that he can just explode and you know seem unstoppable. But you know, I think as you say, if even the players recognise it themselves, you know, they're not, you know, they're kind of, you know, quite flat. That you know, not much, you know, not much energy going on. At least they they recognise this issue from what we're hearing. So hopefully, there's a bit more energy around the place. But you kind of feel like you should have had that a bit more in chunks compared to the Ravens game. We'll see how the, you know, whether or not it, it worked to our advantage or not. In fact, if we played opening night on the first day and we had these extra couple of days to prepare for the game. Perhaps maybe you know, did the players perhaps switch off rather than actually you know feeling more having that extra bit of rest feeling a bit more energized. Yeah, it'll be the first time we've, we've got that that repetition of having another road game week after, and I think that helps in the mm-hmm. rhythm because even if you're not playing, you still get that with the preseason game. You still get that mindset and that routine that you know you've not had since January. So there's an element there, but look, there's teams executing out there and there's teams putting performances together that we're quite simply not at the minute. And I think this weekend is a big, big, big test. For Tim Kelly, because at this stage, his play calling, play design, it still seems it doesn't look like he stamped his authority on it in the same way Weaver has. And I think similarly, this is a big test. And a guy who seems completely unfallible under O'Brien is Mike Devlin getting this line ready to play against his front. Mm-hmm. Those two guys, I think, is a big test for them and their coaching capabilities. With you know, with the players on hand, who are, are are on paper are better than what we've had for you know a number of years. Yeah, I think yeah, definitely entering twenty nineteen. I think Mike Devlin was definitely on the hot seat. Kind of the, but the improvement we saw last year was pretty enough to save his job. But so yeah, Tim Kelly's got to turn around things pretty soon. So we just haven't seen that sort of you know, kind of improvement or a bit of a transformation on the offense side of the ball that we have seen on the defense from the move from Cornell to Weaver. It's a noticeably different you know scheme running, but on the offense side of the ball, so again, it's just it's quite you know it's flat, it's quite stale. Are we seeing? Much of a difference between uh, O'Brien's play call and the Rialto Kelly's. Yeah, there was some some concepts in there running. I think we just, I mean, regardless of the the play calling and the concepts, I think it's just it's about you know I've heard other people touch on this as well, and it's so true. It's about flow and it's about you know calling plays that you know that 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 balance well off one another, and you you get you know get some up tempo, get some more play action, get taking get taking some shots to spread the field mm. out. Um, and, you know, I think, you know, and you can see why they'd be hesitant because I think, you know, on the Kiki fumble, we were set up and we're set up on an empty set. You're going a bit aggressive and, you know, you get a fumble and, you know, I can see why. So look, there's reasons why you, you you want to try and gradually build that that play calling up, you know, but you have to have execution as a fundamental basis to then, you know, to then go a bit deeper in the playbook if you're doing the fundamentals and the basic plays and the short, you know, the short, simple stuff and you know, the running the ball, you know, with a decent clip. Um, that then it all you know it all flows on from from successful execution and that that comes out the coaching staff to make sure these guys are ready to play. If this team goes zero and three, is the season over? Um, wouldn't go as far as saying it's over. It's going to be an uphill battle. We sort of see that the schedule does soften out as the season progresses, but 
the fact that, you know what what can we then achieve from from own three are we you know we're sort of talking uh sort of nine seven perhaps ten and six but i think it kind of depends you know how far we get into the playoffs after that you know but is that really that's not what we're aiming for is it like would we as as painful as will be, as they sort of touched on before, do we would we rather have perhaps something like a, a six and ten or a five eleven record rather than you know, you know sort of you know chalking up another nine seven year limp in the playoffs and get beaten in the in the wild card round? I don't you know kind of get a bit you know a bit tiresome seeing it after year after year. So perhaps you know it's definitely it's definitely not season over. It's kind of uh, perhaps a time of reflection. It would allow for quite a lot to you know what. Do we you sort of you know need to have a bit of a down here to kind of like you know really reset things, kind of really understand like fundamentally where are things going wrong, and we can bounce back for 2021, perhaps you know fans back in the stadiums and everything. So it's yeah, as you say, I think it's strong to say season over, but it would mean you know it would take a you know a heck of a recovery to you know to call you know to regard the season as a success. Yeah, and I think the difference between twenty eighteen and 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 twenty uh, and twenty twenty when we did lose the, the you know the first three. I remember after that Giants came at Energy it was another you know terrible performance, and you thought the season was over. And actually, uh, 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 Eli Manning had a great game that day. We just looked flawless, and we just didn't look quite at the races. And you know Watson was throwing some ugly interceptions, but we we went on a nine game winning run because we the, the schedule perhaps allowed. I don't think it's necessarily going to allow that this year to do that. And you had to go on a you know a minimum six seven one run to get to get yourself in contention with the playoffs. I think we're the first team since the eighties that had gone to the playoffs, being zero um, three. Now there's an extra spot this year, but as you said, I think it comes back to that big picture. It's boring. Mm. We're confined by this. If it's another nine and seven season, just say we scrape scrape into a wild card, we play another Saturday wild card game. We're no further forward. Mm. We're treading water, and I think I don't think that's enough to make a change. Unfortunately, I think that's probably depressing part about you know Cal may surprise us but it feels like unless this team can really kick into gear and show that you know pre-season was a factor not excuse but we're going to make up for it then we've got a chance to make a fist to the season otherwise I think which seems the more inevitable outcome that we're just we're just kind of meandering in another as you said nine and seven ten and six kind of season and you know we achieved that without Watson so you know achieving that with I think is enough to make structural and fundamental changes and uh, and move mm. on, and I, I, for the first time, I'd probably say that's what now. You know, if you were to ask me as a person individually, I think that's what I want now. I think that that has to happen for us to to see. You know, you know, you think the grass is always greener, but this is year seven. It's not year two or year three. Okay, it's year four under Watson, but it's year four under Watson under a transformational talent that you've now paid. So I think we're out of places to. To uh, to look. So if it doesn't happen in the next three or four weeks, then I think it's it, it should engender a change. Whether it will, when we have to go through this for another year, is, a, is another matter, and that will come on to another time. But it all starts with yeah. Pittsburgh on Sunday. Luke, thanks very much for joining us. Hopefully next week we'll be back mm-hmm. to talk through a win in Pittsburgh and try and ignite this season and let's see this offense come alive and promise what it's me- meant to be in terms of a deep threat. Thanks again for listening, everyone. You can follow us at podcastdexans.com. Um, at Podcast Texans on Twitter and Facebook. Please send us any emails at podcasttexans at gmail.com. Send any questions in. And uh, thanks again for listening. And hopefully we'll be back next week to talk for the first time this season a Texans victory. Let's hope so.